scary girl. Hey, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this is Dead Time Stories. A weekly podcast where we talk about ghosts, supernatural, paranormal, spooky, poopy, all kinds of just weird, Whatever weird we shit. Want. Whatever we want to talk about every week. New stuff. Yeah, that's Welcome. what it is. Welcome. <laughs> we're still working on the intro. We're figuring, Episode 70. We're, we're figuring, figuring that out. out. <laughs> still working out some kinks, guys. This is still a new podcast. Oh my god, girlfriend. <laughs> uh, and then Sarah's show opens this week. It opens today. Today. You ready? I just got palpitations. <laughs> I think We're I recording it in advance and it's that that's 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 the trauma that Sarah is enduring. <gasps> you ready? Get out there, girl. All right, get I'm in that go, box. I'm gonna go do my show now. That's the sound the show makes. And the crowd goes wild. wild. A bear, a bear, a bear, a bear, a bear, a bear. Uh, yes, yeah, so my show opens tonight. Um, Terror Behind Walls opens tomorrow night. Woo! Terror Behind the Walls. And how are you feeling about that? Opens on September 20th. That's tomorrow. That is tomorrow. <laughs> I'm feeling it. Are you feeling it? Let's I'm feel things. Something. Yeah. Girl, sometimes I'm tired of feeling things. Girl, I'm always tired of feeling things. What the things. fuck are fucking feelings for? Um, but yeah, Terror Behind the Walls at Eastern State Penitentiary. That begins tomorrow and runs through November 9th. And I, I, we didn't talk about when you announced Terror, but I'm like, Terror Behind the Walls is a nationwide known Yes, it is considered house. the, like, the biggest... Like, most major haunted house attraction in America. Like, in the United yeah. States. It's, like, super known. It, it's a big deal, yeah. People literally travel from around the country to come to Terror Behind the Walls. So, yeah. pretty excited. It's going to be crazy. And from my understanding, the speakeasy, which is the department that I'll be working in, the attraction, because there's different there attractions at Terror yeah. Behind the Walls. The speakeasy, from my understanding, is the most sought-after spot. In Terror Behind the Walls. Ooh. So. I bet, because it's fun, and then you've got the whole Al Capone. You've got right? the Al Capone thing, and um, I'm assuming also because by that time, they've weeded out most of the drunk, awful people. So, because the speakeasy, it's an optional extra part that happens after the rest of Terror Behind the Walls, after you've gone through most of the haunted house attraction. Um, so, people are, like, past being all riled up. Um, so by that point, they've kicked out anybody who's, like, come in super drunk and tried to fight somebody, you know, working as a zombie. Yeah. Because that happens. Oh, I bet. <laughs> so, um, so by the time they get to Speakeasy, you're dealing with mostly people that have chilled out, and they're pretty excited because now they're in a place where it's, like, calm, and they can, like, talk and hang out and not necessarily be spooked at. Uh, and everything else, you're kind of, it's kind of like a ride. Like, you're just kind of pushed through it. Um, whereas the speakeasy, you can actually, like, sit and chill and, like, hang out and enjoy, like, just some Can some you do the time. speakeasy without doing the rest of the haunted house? No. I'm so sorry. I will not be seeing you in this. <laughs> I, I cannot. That's so silly to me. I'm just like, they can't do anything to you. I don't. They can't hurt you. They can't even touch you. You know how much I hate jump scares. I hate, I hate See, it. I and hate I'm like, being scared. I, I don't like jump scares either, but I feel like... There's a difference between, like, going through, like, a fun house and, like, everything is quiet and you're just waiting for the jump scare. That's what I can't handle. If it's a lot of, like, okay, I can anticipate that stuff is going to, where are you going to pop out from? Um, and they do more of, like, it seems less of, like, a pop-out-y thing and more of, like, it seems like they talk more about almost like it's a hospital where they're like, there's an infection! Whoa! Like, we're going to get, yeah. I don't know. I think it sounds... Hilarious. I think it sounds hilarious. Like, it sounds like a good time. And the phrase that the security guy kept using, where I was like, is this what they say around here? Is they kept saying dropping bodies, which I'm assuming that's like you scare somebody and they're like, oh, oh. Like, that would be me. <laughs> I would end up like in a corner in and, the fetal position. the security guy was like, I, you know, you're coming in here to drop bodies. Like he, And he kept <laughs> saying the phrase drop bodies and it made me laugh so hard. Where he's like, you, don't, you know what? Because you don't come into work playing to fight. Like you come here to drop bodies. So Do you're coming in. hit the floor? Let the bodies hit the floor. Do they let the bodies hit the floor? Oh, wow. Um, ah, 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 ah. That's a different song. 
Um, no, they do get up and then also get down with the sickness. Ah, there it is. Um, I did. I messed that up. <laughs> that's the ooh-wah-ah-ah song. Fun fact, my boss, uh, so the chorus is, uh, you mother get up, come on, get down with the sickness. You fucker get up, come on, get down with the sickness. My boss thought it was, your mother got up, come on, get down with the sickness. Your father got up and then got down with the sickness. And I was like, I like the whole family. I like that version better, right? And he's like, yeah, like, it's going around. It's going around. The sickness. And you know, once it gets in the house, the whole family's going to have it. Um, So, yeah, no, Terrifying Walls should be really, really cool. Um, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be fun. And I really want to go on a night that I'm not working. Um, I think Val and I are going to try and go on Halloween. You guys have fun. I really want to go. But you guys have a lot of fun. Everybody I know who's been says they love it. That they're like, it's so much fun. I can't wait to go. It's my favorite Halloween thing. And I'm like, all right. I'm sure. Whatever. The la- I've, I just, the last time I did a haunted house was a traumatizing experience because I didn't want to do it and I had to do it. I had no option. I was in daycare. This is awful. It sounds silly, but I was a child. I was in daycare, and we took a field trip to the wax museum, and at every wax museum, at the end, there's, like, a scary haunted portion, like a haunted house, but you have the option to go ahead and leave the museum before then, but I was with my daycare group, and everyone wanted to go through the scary section, and so no adult was going to be out there, so I had to go through it, and I was terrified and I remember being like behind my teacher like holding on to the back of his shirt covering my eyes and like trying to cover my ears because I was so scared and I finally made it through but that's what I associate with haunted houses see but I'm like you know how you move past it (laughs) exposure therapy Exposure therapy where they're like, face your fears, go mm-hmm. through it and see that you're not going to get hurt and you're going to be fine. And I'm not going to get hurt, but I'm going to be scared. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just, all I the, don't see, know. I just, the, all, the closest thing I can think of is when I was in eighth grade and we went to Scarewinds, which is, Carowinds is a um, big, like, theme park in North Carolina and in Halloween and all October they make it Scarewinds. And it's just the whole theme park is like a big haunted house. And they call the people who work there the crazies. And they're just like, don't touch the crazies. And the crazies won't touch you. And it was a lot of like, not even people popping out. Like, that didn't happen as much as like you would turn around and somebody would be They'd there. Be right and you'd be there. like, oh, 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 And you just keep walking. But nobody like touched you. Yeah. Nobody really like got in your face. Nobody was really like, oh, they're going to get you. Like, nobody really did that. It was just kind of like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I did that. Six Flags does that. I did that. And, like, the actors would, like, follow. Right. Like, they just kind of walk creepy. And you're like, yeah. How long have you been following me? And And I imagine it's just a lot of that. But they're, like, encouraging you to walk through the prison. But there's so much. But also the prison is already haunted. But my first two days were all safety training. So I'm just like, I know that there's nothing really gonna get ya, and there's people everywhere, even if you don't see people, but usually you'll see people. There's people everywhere, and there's all sorts of stuff in place, like, make sure people don't get hurt. And the majority of the people who get hurt are the people who work there, because somebody freaks out and hits them. and punched them. Right. (laughs) I was like, I know that life. In Zombie, many doors were slammed in my face. Right, or people like, oh, Jesus, right. And they just get scared. They get scared. But yeah, so I'm just like, it sounds fun. And I just loved hearing him say drop bodies because he kept saying it and I thought it was like the funniest thing where he's like, I just came to work today to drop bodies. Like, I'm not here to, I'm just here to drop bodies. We're going to death You just want to drop bodies, right? The other big thing is what time is it? It's terror time. That's the big thing. People love to go, I'm just, oh, my watch is broken. Can you tell me what time? It's terror time. Everybody, it's terror time. No matter what time it is, it's terror time. You don't need to look at your watch. You don't know. need to know what time it is because it's terror time. You know what time it is. It's terror time. Done. Five minutes from now, it'll it'll still be terror time. But that's their whole thing is it's terror time. It's fun. It's going to be You're going to have so much fun. It's going to be a blast. I was like knowing the people that I know who worked there. And I know someone who's a manager there Mm. or one of those. Like and her and her now husband 
have like worked their way up in the ranks and and that's what it's like their yeah thing. like people come back year after year and when you've been there multiple years you start to take on responsibility <laughs> is what like, it sounds yeah. like yeah and i'm like so, yeah it does sounds... it looks like so much fun yeah i'd always thought about doing it but scheduling yeah oh, i'm you, gonna girl? be You're exhausted gonna no sleep. Yeah. i'm gonna be exhausted yeah because it is a full-time job yep and i already have a full-time job <laughs> So I'm going to be working two full-time jobs. So y'all pray for Stephanie. Pray for me, y'all. October's going to be hard, but hopefully I'm going to make that iPad money. So yes. that's my goal. I want to buy an iPad. <laughs> Stephanie. Sarah. Are you? Y'all ready? Oh, I fucked it up. Yeah, I was like, what are you even saying? I don't know. Sarah. Stephanie. Y'all, y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some ghosts? ghosts? It's my show's opening tonight. I'm all discombobulated. <laughs> I got lines going through my head mm. and lines of coke going through, through my, my body. Because <laughs> I can't handle it. I'll go first. Yeah, what are yeah. you talking about? Um, today, I wanted to tell a few listener stories. That's right. Yeah. So we've been getting some, and sometimes I sit on them, and I realize I've got three good ones that I want to tell today. Do it. So these are courtesy of our wonderful, wonderful listeners. So thank you guys. Listeners. Please, please continue to send in your stories. I love reading them, and I know I sit on them for a little while, but this is proof that I do get around to telling them so you have to listen and then maybe i'll tell your story maybe maybe (laughs) well i'm not promising anything so for reference my first story is coming to me from chaos from chaos and just to give you a reference on how long they only podcast at night only at night go check them out if you don't remember they are they only podcast at night um, again, for reference on how long I sometimes sit on oh, these. Oh, they mostly, they mostly, they mostly podcast they mostly at night, podcast right? Tonight. Because they mostly come out at night. Mostly. mostly. Right. Yeah, right, 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 right. You guys, I you apologize. Guys, you guys. I, I apologize. apologize. Southern Spirits. All we're going to do is just reference other, other podcasts. Blood farts. Get wet. I heard blood farts and I was like, God, why haven't I taken that on? I saw a recipe on Facebook recently for pizza skulls. Oh, Yeah. I'm Pizza Skull. All right, all I can think of is Pizza Skull from Hello from the Magic Tavern. Y'all go check out Hello from the Magic Tavern. I want to go home and make Pizza Skulls. I want to meet them. Uh, Anyways, back to our listener story. Thank you, Chaos. This is from, she emailed us at episode 50, (laughs) and we're at episode 70, so it's been a hot minute. But thank you. Thank you so much. She's been sitting on them. I have been, I have been. So, Chaos said, I know y'all are looking for some ghost stories. I have some, but they're actually pretty mundane and boring, but I don't think they are. Uh, Like, I walked into my friend's kitchen one evening, and there was her dead dog from, like, years being dead standing in the kitchen barking at me. I mean, I get it. We'd never met. He was just defending his human, and that was pretty much it. He disappeared. Don't ask me why. When I was about 12, I spent most of my time with my then bestie at her house. She had a basement her parents had fixed up for her and her friends to hang out in. It even had a full-size fridge. I hated going to get anything out of that fridge, though, because it was very close to the underside of the staircase, a spot that was always cold and black and gave us all such creepy, uncomfortable chills. And you know how goth kids like to lean into that creepy shit, but none of us wanted anything to do with that spot. Yeah, no. One day, I was at her house upstairs waiting for my mom to stop talking with my friend's mom before we left for home. It was just late afternoon, still plenty of light out. I was just sitting bored in the living room when suddenly my younger sister walked into the doorway from a hall that led from the basement door, maybe 10 feet away. She just stopped and looked at me, totally expressionless. I called her name several times, but she wouldn't respond, and after a minute or so, she turned and headed down the hall towards the basement. I got up and tried to chase her down, but she was just gone. In the few seconds it took me to check the room to the, it took me to cross the room to the doorway, she was gone. I called for her, I checked to see if she'd gone to wait in the car, she was nowhere. I found my mom and asked if she'd brought my sister along with her, and she said, no, my sister was still at home. 
And from then on, my friends and I were convinced that I had seen whatever lived under those basement steps just with my sister's face for some reason. Fuck that! Today, I still don't know what the fuck that was. Um, Yeah, no, that's scary as fuck. Fuck that. And that it looked like she looked right at her, but expressionless. It makes you think of the elevator game, the woman from the elevator game. So, I didn't say this part, but in the beginning of her email, she said... Uh, congrats on your 50th episode. Great one with Lorraine Warren and Elisa Lamb. Mm. So that was the episode that she listened to before she wrote this email. Um, so Some elevator game shit. Do not play that game. I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> but remember, like, the thing that I told you, like, after you told me about it, I was obsessed. I kept, I was, like, reading everything I could on it. And that was the thing that fascinated me the most was, like, how... The woman that appears, like, appears differently to different people. Oh. Like, there's always, like, a woman there, but she's... Sometimes it's someone they they no. know. Sometimes, like, she's creepy. Sometimes she just seems like a normal woman. But, like, oh. I'm getting chills. I know. I don't like the elevator game. I don't like that but story But I'm thinking about, me. like, the like whatever that was, but, like, looking like her sister. Like, that is what this It, like, takes of. on a form. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> oh, anyways, okay. <sighs> Uh, next one. Maybe it's not even a good ghost story. I don't know, but that's my least mundane story, I think. I have an uh, uh I have one other one, but I don't think it was ghosts. I just don't know what the fuck it was. Oh, shit. Problem is aliens. I, always. Always aliens. aliens. Problem is that I do seem to see ghosts or entities or whatever. Ghosts and titties. Ghosts and titties or whatever. I love making that joke. I've never hallucinated, I've never hallucinated, I've never hallucinated, and my doctor says I'm not crazy, just full disclaimer. I'm not crazy. That's what they all say. I know. I guess you'd call it being sensitive, but I'm no medium. I don't even believe that ghosts are necessarily what everyone says they are. I'm pretty darn skeptical. But I guess I have to admit that there are things in the world I cannot explain. So please don't think I'm some Long Island medium wannabe. I literally never talk about this stuff. It's just a weird thing that I don't get that happens. Take care, ladies. Chaos. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Chaos. Thank you. So, yeah, Chaos saw the thing that lives in the basement, and it took on her sister's face. Fuck that. So my next story comes from a listener named Joseph. So thank you, Joseph. And he originally emailed just to tell us how much he likes our show. Aw, thanks, know. Joseph. It was so nice. I was like, thank you. See, it really makes us feel so good when you guys email <sighs> it us. It does, so though. Good. So Joe says, I have a paranormal experience for you guys. When I was in high school, my English teacher was into paranormal stuff. And for extra credit, we could go investigate places that were haunted and either write about it or present it. First off, bomb English teacher. I wish I could get extra credit for doing that. do it. A few of my friends decided we should do it and go and film it for the class and present it. We looked up places that were supposedly haunted and also, if any, were close to us because we were juniors in high school and no one was going to drive hours away to some of the locations we looked into. Sure. Well, we found a place called the Old Mill that's like two miles away from the school. It was abandoned and even looked like it would be haunted. So we figured... Why the hell not? Let's do it. We did absolutely no research into this place, meaning we had no idea why it was considered haunted or the story behind it. Also, this place was locked up and had fences all around it. Yes, we trespassed. Sorry, not sorry. Police do patrol there a lot because of people like us trespassing. Of course. So we had people stay behind with radios to warn us if a cop was coming. For like 30 minutes, we were trying to figure out how to enter the building because all the windows were boarded up or the windows were way too high to get to. So nothing happened for like the first two hours we were here. We were there. It finally got dark and one of my buddies goes, what the hell is that? We all turn and look up at one of the top windows, which was broken, and we all could see a dark figure standing in the window. I was the one holding the camera and I did capture it on camera, which was pretty cool. We were all excited that we saw that. After a couple minutes, one of the people on the radio calls in and says a bunch of nonsense, then says my buddy's name, who was Richard. We radioed back and said, what? What did you say? Then the radio, then they radioed back to us and they said, what do you mean? 
To which we said, you just spoke to us. We didn't understand what you said. And you said Richard's name. And they said, um, no, we didn't send you anything on the radio. So we were all like, what the hell? Which I also caught that on my camera. A few minutes go by and a voice over the radio comes through, which sounds like one of our friends. So we radio them saying, was that you? And they say, no. And they say, we heard it too. Again, we all freak out in amazement. Pause. That's crazy. Yeah. That That it's like tapping into your radio frequency. But that makes me think of the, um, what is it called? The, the voice box. The one that told me regret in the dime museum. Oh my god. What is that? <laughs> what are those called? Why am I drawing a blank? Oh my god. I just keep wanting to say e-reader, but that's Scientology. No. <laughs> it remi- spirit box. There we that's go. what it's called. It reminds me of a spirit box, but like regret. the ghost is like <laughs> Oh Right? That was an experience. That's also an experience. I mean, I've been dating again. That's like my best first date story is to tell him that whole story regret all right so back to this story again we all freak out in amazement so we start back towards the building and we all hear a dog barking in the building and we keep trying to get the dog to come because we think that someone's dog is lost and now stuck in the building but we could never get the dog to come out at this point we all decide to leave and go home i also caught the dog barking on my camera We all get into our cars, and I start reviewing the footage real quick just to check all is there. The second we leave the area and the old mill is out of sight, my camera glitches and shuts off and then back on again. So I go to review the footage again, and then the files are all corrupted. I cannot access anything. All the stuff I documented was gone. It wasn't until we got back to our English class that we learned the why of this place that was haunted. Our English teacher, after we, after we told her our experience, said there was a caretaker and his dog that lived there for years, and they were in there when the place caught fire and killed them. We all looked at each other and said, the barking dog. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> And the charred up custodian, that's the dark figure. That's the dark figure standing in the window watching them. Burned up. And then apparently trying to talk to them through the radio. And knew their friend's name, Richard. That's always weird. I'm like, how do these spirits know your? I guess maybe that they were was like they heard you call. They heard they you all, say it. I always assume that. If that's anything, true. it's because they heard your friend they call you and call you your name. Yep. All right. So my last one is from. Did I talk about Shelby before? Yeah, I think so. So Shelby sent us an email a while back. First, she sent us an email just saying how much she liked the show. And she said she just finished listening to episode 52. Don't blame us. We didn't vote for the lizard people. And she says that she's just a teeny bit terrified. She said both her and her boyfriend have heard about the elevator game and they Mm. both freaked out by the idea. And the story about the two girls who played the stupid game was off-putting since the friend's name is Shelby, which is clearly my name. If they said... The one where Shelby came back wrong? Yes. Yes. Which is clearly my name. And they said her eyes were originally green. I'd shit myself because that's the... Oh, she said, and if they had said her eyes were originally green, I'd shit myself since that's the color of my eyes. Although I didn't feel much better later into the episode when y'all started talking about lizard people. Basically, I have every characteristic that that was used to describe lizard people. So thanks so much for hitting so close to home. Love it. Lizard Shelby. (laughs) So we have a lizard person who listens to our episode, our show. Lizard Shelby. So Lizard Lizard Shelby who came back on the elevator. Who came back on that. So Lizard Elevator Shelby. So Lizard Shelby sent us this story. She said, I've, I've, I've been working on actually writing down this experience for a while now, and I finally believe it's ready to be heard. So here goes. I hurt my foot pretty bad one night. It was bad enough that the nurse sent me home from school the next day. I was relaxed on the couch watching TV, and that's when it happened. The door to the basement stairs is right next to the living room. Why is everything in the basement? Everything happens in the fucking basement. Fuck that. Just don't have basements. basements. Don't get basements. Don't go down to the basement. Don't have a basement. You don't need it. Whatever it is, if it's in the basement, you put it there because you didn't need it. It's the ghosts now. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to them. Yeah. 
So the door to the basement stairs is right next to the living room. Every door and window to the house was locked, and that particular door was closed. I always made sure of that when I was home alone. Because I was fucking scared of that basement. Yeah, you close that fucking door. Next thing I know, something is running up my stairs. Fuck that. Fast. Fuck that. Faster than running. Nope. Taking multiple stairs at a time. Nope. It was heavy, almost mm-hmm. floating mm-hmm. from each step. It caused the whole house to shake every time it landed. And this all happened over a period of about three seconds. While that terrifying occurrence was happening, I managed to hobble over to the kitchen door and get the F out of my house. This creature reached the top of the basement stairs the same time I opened the door to run, or at least attempt to run. My instinct was to bolt to my grandmother's house who lived across the street until I solemnly remembered that she isn't alive anymore. And as soon as I thought that, it stopped. I was frozen. Was it gone? Was I about to be in the middle of a standoff with some kind of paranormal entity? I just stood there, frozen. Halfway in my terrifying house, halfway out for what felt like an eternity, just listening. Once I realized there really wasn't anywhere for me to go, I was overcome with an uncharacteristic boldness. I limped over to the basement door, put my hand on the doorknob and my ear on the door. If something was on the other side, I would have been able to hear it, but it was silent. So I took a deep breath and swung that damn door wide open and nothing. Nothing, of course. That did not make me feel any better. Because where the hell did it go? I grabbed the biggest knife in my kitchen and headed down to the basement. I knew I would not be at peace until I made sure I was home alone. Of course, I found nothing. So I went back to my safe place on the couch, covered myself up in a blanket like that was going to do anything. And I did not move until someone in my family came home. I've kept this story to myself for years. I would tell my friends about it when we would all be sharing paranormal experiences. But it wasn't until a few weeks ago that I finally told my parents. I was surprised they actually listened to me and they asked why I didn't say anything sooner. My answer was simple. I didn't think they'd believe me. Hope you liked it. Lizard Shelby. (laughs) Put a little lizard emoji. Lizard Shelby. Lizard Shelby. Thank you for sharing with us, Lizard Shelby. Thank you, Lizard Shelby. And thank you, Joseph. And thank you, Chaos. I think I told you about when I... I told you about my water baby that I was convinced was possessed. Yes. But my mom... Like, I had told all my friends that story, like, through my being a teenager. Everyone thought it was, like, hilarious. And, like, at one point, I'm trying to remember who I was telling, and my mom overheard me, and my mom was like, what? Like, you never told me that. that. Right, and I was like, right, she was like, you love that water baby. I was like, because I knew I couldn't tell you, because you would talk about how I, like, begged you for that water baby, and how now I didn't even want it. I couldn't tell you that. No. That. No. So I, I put it in the closet. got up after you tucked me in, I put it in the closet, I got up and picked it up before you woke me up in the morning. <laughs> I had this whole double life, like, Mom. <laughs> you had no idea. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God. So, yeah, there's our listener uh, stories. If you have a personal story, please send it on over. We love that We love them. There's no regrets in getting personal stories. <laughs> regrets. Regrets. No, but it wasn't even scary. It was clear. It was like, do you have anything to say for Sarah? Regret. Right. Just, like, dead, like, fucking red me for filth. For filth. Filthy. Filth. Stephanie, what are you talking about? You said you had kind of a long one. I do, because I I have a very curious true crime case. Ooh. So, have you ever heard of the Sumter County Doe? Yes. You have. Yes. You're familiar. I'm not super familiar, but I've read like a synopsis. A little bit. So okay. dive into it. So yeah, so I'm going to talk about the Sumter County does. So the Sumter County does, not does as in like female deer array, a lock of golden sun. Um, no, does as in Jane Doe and Jacques Doe, not ja- not John. John. It's they call him Jock Doe. So there's Jane Doe and Jock Doe. Hey, but Jock Doe, no. That Jock Doe. That Jock Doe. That Jock Um, So these were two bodies that were found together, a man and a woman. This was August. Let me open my notes. Sorry. 
This was August 9th, 1976. And they were found in Sumter County, Cal- or why did I say California? Sumter County, South Carolina. They were found next to each other and they were believed to be brother and sister because they looked kind of similar. And they both were shot in three places. They were both shot in the back, in the chest, and in the throat with the same 35 caliber pistol. Yeah. So they were believed to be pretty wealthy because they had, uh, they both had some like extensive dental work, him specifically. He had a root canal that they said that type of root canal at that time was really only done by like four or five dentists Mm. in the United States. So he had to have money to be able to get that kind of procedure. Right. He had to, they had to have money to have the kind of, of dental work that he had. He had some scars on his torso that were consistent with like playing sports in his youth. Uh, and they both had, uh, while they had no wallets or identification or any money on them, they both had a lot of jewelry that was like expensive jewelry. And whoever shot them didn't didn't take take it. it. Um, and he, he specifically had a ring with initials in it. The initials were JPF. Okay. The initials inside of his ring were JPF. So because these were two, like, you know, attractive, apparently well, appearing to be wealthy, um, people, um, and they seemed to be somebody that the law enforcement believe they were going to identify pretty quickly. Like somebody is going to say these people are missing and come forward and identify them. Um, But no matter how much information they released, no one really came forward to identify them. Now there were people that came forward and said they had seen them in the past few days, like leading up to their death, but no one knew who they were. And the reason they call him Jock Doe is because there was a guy who was a campground attendant at a camp that they stayed at a few days before their bodies were found. And he said his name was Jock. People later believed his name was Jacques, that the guy misunderstood him. But that's why they call him Jock Doe and not John Doe. Yeah. Because the guy was like, his name is Jock. But people are like, maybe it was Jacques. Um, there's also people think that he might be, they might be foreign and maybe that's why people haven't identified them because they're not from here. Um, someone else said that he had met the couple and that the guy told him that he was Canadian, that his family was a bunch of doctors and that he told them he didn't want to be a doctor. He was, he wanted to be a teacher and that basically he was like kicked out of the family because he didn't want to be a doctor. So that could explain the money that could explain, you know, they're not from here. Um, there are all sorts of theories about where they're from, but in the years and years and years since this happened in the seventies, they've never, ever, ever been identified. Other hints, other like clues that came about were they found a trucker. So there's a trucker who was pulled over a year later for driving drunk And they found a gun in his possession. The serial number had been scraped off, but the gun ballistics matched it to the murder weapon. But that guy was never charged with anything because that was... It's so circumstantial. That was all they had was that he had the murder weapon in his possession. What a crazy fluke that they would arrest a drunk driver and he has the murder weapon for this unknown... And he said that he had had gotten the gun. He purchased it illegally. That's why the serial number was rubbed off. But that he had purchased it only in the last couple of months. So he probably got it from the So he probably got it either from the murderer or the murderer sold it to someone and he got it from the in-between. But they didn't have anything besides that to to bring him in. They had nothing else that would show that he was somebody who could have been involved. Wow. So when they found the bodies, um, the man, he's about six feet tall. They said that he was somewhere between the ages of like 18 to 30. But they said with his dental work, they were thinking he was somewhere around 27. The forensic dentist who examined the man's teeth said he believed 27, but that he looked younger due to his clothing and his build. The victim was white with an olive complexion. He had brown, which she also uh, had a similar complexion. They Again, they looked kind of similar, so people believed them to be brother and sister. They couldn't run the DNA to see if they're brother? Not in 1976. Ancestry.com didn't exist. 
The forensic dentist who examined the man's teeth said he believed he was 27. Um, He had brown shoulder-length hair, brown eyes, and very distinctive bushy eyebrows. Mm -hmm. He stood over six feet tall, weighed about 150 pounds, and had extensive, elaborate dental work that may have been performed outside of the United States. This might indicate a higher socioeconomic status. A unique type of root canal surgery had been performed during his life, which would be which could be important for discovering who he was. It looked as if he had been midway through a complete dental restoration. Wow. The man had a four inch appendectomy. I can't even say it. Appendectomy. When you have your appendix Mm. taken out. Appendectomy scar. He also had various scars on his back and shoulders, which indicated frequent participation in contact sports. So it didn't look like he was, he had scars, but it didn't look like he was like abused. Yeah. It looked like he played a lot of like football. Yeah. He was wearing faded Levi brand jeans and a red t-shirt. The shirt read Coors America's Light Beer on the front and Camel Challenger GT Sebring 75 on the back along with a Snoopy design. What a shirt to die on. The shirt was apparently a promotional item from the Sebring races held in Sebring, Florida in 1975, which were sponsored by the Coors Brewing Company. He wore no underwear and carried a pack of, and neither did she, a pack of Grant's truck stop matches in his pants pocket. The matches are believed to have come from a Grant's truck stop in the Midwest. He wore a yellow gold Belova Acuron West wristwatch and a Twistoflex band bearing the serial number H918803. Using this number, investigators were able to de- determine that Belova had made the watch in 1968, but when Belova Company downsized in the early 70s, they destroyed many of their records, meaning there was no way to match or ascertain where the victim's watch was distributed or bought. He also wore a 14-karat gold ring set with a gray star sapphire stone. The initials JPF were engraved inside the ring, which had a Florentine finish. Both the ring and the watch were rather expensive. This, together with the man's elaborate dental work, suggested that he had come from an affluent family. Jane Doe. She was about 5'5". Five five. Also, she was white with olive-toned skin. She had two moles on her cheek. The female was slightly younger than the man. She was originally thought to be between 18 and 20. After her case was entered into NOM US, her age estimate was increased to 18 to 25. She stood 5'5 five five and weighed somewhere between 100 and 105 pounds, had a slim build and an olive complexion like that of her companion. This led some observers to speculate that they may have been siblings. She had reddish-brown hair, shoulder-length, bluish-gray eyes. Some sources said they were hazel. She had two distinctive moles on the left side of her face near her mouth. The coroner noted that the young woman had unusually long, natural eyelashes, and that both victims were very clean and very well-groomed. She had fillings in all of her back teeth, and her front teeth would have appeared straight and even if she were to smile. She had no surgical scars, had never been pregnant, and her legs had not been shaved. Unlike her male companion, no scars were found on her body. The fact that the, that the two of them didn't wear underwear yeah, and that she cool. had unshaved legs were another thing that led people to think, like, maybe they were foreign. Yeah. She was wearing an unbleached white muslin blouse over pink front-tying halter top. She wore blue denim cut-off shorts. She had a floral print scarf tied around her waist as a belt. Full 70s. She wore stride right brand wedge-heeled sandals that were lavender and hot pink in color. Yes, ma'am. She wore three very distinctive rings. The first ring was black, ob- was a black oblong stone with what appeared to be small turquoise chips embedded in it. The second had an ornate scrolling feather shape with coral and turquoise stones. The third was a simple metal band with red, white, and blue stones. These rings appeared to be authentic handmade Native American or Mexican costume jewelry. They were all made of sterling silver. They appeared to have originated in the southwestern United States. Like the man beside her, the female wore no underwear. Leads and Theories In 1977, a man was arrested in Lotta, South Carolina for driving while intoxicated. This is the guy with the gun. gun. He owned a revolver found in his vehicle of the same kind as the murder weapon. It was proven to be the murder weapon after it was test fired by investigators. The man was located but was not charged because insufficient evidence existed to file charges against this individual for the murders. 
Investigators traveled to the city of Brunswick, Georgia. They met with a mother and father who were thought to be possible acquaintances of Jane Doe. Their daughter was missing and her ex-boyfriend had reported a similarity between the female victim and his ex-girlfriend. However, after showing the parents of the missing woman photographs of the female victim, neither they nor friends could verify that it was her. Mm. After a dental comparison, it was found that the two women did not match. The possible initials JPF engraved inside the man's ring supported the theory that his name was Jacques or at least started with a J. Mm -hmm. The book of matches found in the man's pocket provided a further clue. The matches came from a truck stop chain uh, which had locations near Idaho, Nebraska, and Arizona. After information was released to the public, a man from Nebraska stated that he may have performed repairs on the car with Oregon or Washington license plates whose victim, whose owners match the description of the victims, but this uncovered no additional leads. Mm. Some speculate that notable serial killer Henry Lee Lucas could have been involved in the murders. Lucas himself told police that he had been in South Carolina the day the victims died, but he was received with skepticism as he had a penchant for false confessions. <laughs> He was. He had a penchant for false. He was into. He was into saying he did shit he didn't do. He was never charged with the crime, and he died in 2001 from heart failure. Earlier, Lucas had confessed to two murders that also happened in Sumter County: that of an elderly woman in 1975 and a young man in 1983. Like most other leads, this revealed no additional clues, the pair's names, or the actual murder. In 2007. Both bodies were exhumed <gasps> to obtain DNA information. Ooh, what they find? This led to the theory that the pair had been siblings being disproved. <gasps> the testing showed that they were not genetically related to one another, though they did resemble each other. They are currently undergoing testing by the DNA project. Wow. The couple's bodies were kept, um, now before they buried them, originally when they died, they were so, remember I said they were so sure they were going to find someone who knew them because they clearly looked like they came from money. Um, Someone would talk. Someone's going to care that these people are missing. So originally when they were buried, the couple's bodies were kept at a local funeral home in caskets with airtight see-through lids in the hopes that someone would come to identify them. People Are there pictures? Oh, that's morbid. People from all over the country called to inquire about them, including several parents of young runaways. None was able to identify the bodies. The bodies remained on display until they began to deteriorate. On August 14, 1977, one year and five days after the bodies were found, they were interred in the Bethel United Methodist Church Cemetery in Oswego, South Carolina. Hundreds attended the funeral service. Were they still in the see-through caskets? Can you imagine exhuming a see-through casket? Casket. (gasps) Law enforcement agencies raised several hundred dollars to pay the funeral home. Their graves have stone granite markers which read as male unknown and female unknown. They kept them on display for a year. For a year. Oh, because they were so, so sure that someone was going to was gonna know who these people were. Some of the other theories, now remember, you know, there's the thing about them being Canadian or whatever. Um, one of the theories was that they were, I'm trying to remember why somebody thought they were from Argentina. But one of the theories was that they were from Argentina, like they were running away from like some political unrest that was going on there. And or that their families had drug ties so that they were trying, they, people have suggested they were drug mules so that they were up from Argentina carrying drugs and that's what got them shot. Um, And no one's come forward because it was gang related or their family doesn't know because they're not here. Um, It sounds like they were shot execution style. Yes, it does sound like they were shot by a professional, by someone, yeah who knew what they were doing. Um, and the one of the other things that someone said was to support that was the shirt that his event, or the event that his shirt was from, that event had been, like, shut down because it was riddled with drug problems with people selling drugs oh. around that event. So that was another theory that, like, tied them to drugs in some possible way. But all of these are just speculation. There's no proof. Nobody knows who these two people are to this day. And their DNA is in the system now. It has been since 2007. And there has still been no ties to them and their DNA. That's insane. Yeah. It's insane to me that 
today in 2019 with all the technology we that have. That we still have no idea. Still, or even that there are still instances where people can, people show up and you don't, you have no idea who they are. And you have no idea who they're related no to. there's no way to find out who they are. Yeah, no. It's crazy. Or who killed them. The fact that so many murders go unsolved mm. still... Still, I'm like, not nearly as many, but still, still a lot. Still a lot. I feel like I read it, but I read it on the internet, so it could be wrong. I just feel like, yeah, not that, you know, I'm pining for the days. I'm not trying to kill, but like. Right, I'm just like, I feel like it was so much easier to get away with murdering people in like the 60s and 70s. Oh, yeah, before DNA. Before DNA, before the internet, before people were, like, agencies were sharing information with each other across state lines. But now it's like, you still can just be like, an owl flew in the window and knocked her down the stairs Girl. and get away with and, it. you know, just shack up with the editor of the documentary. Mm-hmm. And write books. Uh, not that, yeah, not that I'm like thinking about trying to kill someone and get away with it. Right. No. But like, if I did, you know, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> used to be easy. How, it used to be, I mean, it, well, I still... Me and this whole how easy it is to be a serial killer, I still feel like it is too easy to be classified as a serial killer after three kills on three separate instances. That is not enough. How many is enough for you, Sarah? Like at least six or more. Mm. So you, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't ask for a couple of killers. Right, I was gonna this say is a serial. If you're going killer. by six, then I guess you wouldn't count Andrew Cunanan, who I've recently. <laughs> he's the person that killed Johnny Versace because oh. we watched the assassination of Johnny Versace, and the guy's name is Andrew Cunanan. That's who. Um, How many people Derek did he Chris kill? Three, five, five. Um, yeah, no, still, I'm not, you're, you're working towards becoming a, you're an aspiring serial killer. I'm just like, it is five, right? I can think of at least four that I remember from seeing on the show, but I feel like it's a total of five, unless he's the fifth one, because he killed himself. Uh-huh. Um, but there was like a, I'm just obsessed with his name, because it's fun to say, Andrew Cunanan. Cunanan. Um... Penelope Cruz was uh, Donatella Versace. She was amazing. Yeah. Um, Ricky Martin was there. He was Johnny Versace's partner. <laughs> Ricky Martin was there. And you're like, oh, okay, Ricky Martin. But um, no, there was a guy at this bar the other night that I said looked like, I thought he looked like Darren Chris. Oh, okay. but So I kept saying he looked like Andrew Cunanan. And I was like, no, he doesn't. I was like, that's Andrew Cunanan. <laughs> Andrew Cunanan. Um, it was very different from season one of American Crime Story. Because it was season it was season two, uh, but they just kept calling it the assassination, the assassination. of Johnny Versace. Because um, the People versus O.J. Simpson was the first season. Oh, okay, and I loved that. Did yeah, you watch I didn't that? Watch that one, but that's oh. the one with Ross, right? Yeah, you are the second person to say that to me. That's the one with Ross. I'm sorry, right? David Schwimmer. Yes, that's I know the one your with name. David Schwimmer as Robert Kardashian Senior. Yes. The Kardashians have their money from their father, Robert yes. Kardashian, Which a who lot has of passed don't away remember. now. But he was a lawyer and good friend of O.J. Simpson. Uh, no, that show was good as hell. And Cuba Gooding Jr. was O.J. It was excellent casting. Because you're just like, you're so likable. Because they cast Cuba, who is like a very likable like dude. Cuba, right? yeah. And that's just it. I was like, it's such good casting. Because people loved O.J. at the time. Like, before I let you down. So it's really good because you're like, I like him, but like. I don't try. He's so skeevy. Like I don't trust him. And uh, and Cuba is perfect. Cuba he does it really job. really well. David Schwimmer is really good. Sarah Paulson is the pros- uh, prosecutor. Um, she's excellent. Everybody in it is really good. Ooh. But the two seasons of American Crime Story are very different because the first one is really about the trial of O.J. Simpson, and the second season is like the last few days of, like, Andrew Cunanan, like, while he went on this, like, weird killing spree across the country. Because mm-hmm. he killed, like, three people in Chicago. No, two people in, like, Minneapolis, then somebody in Chicago, and then he went to Florida and killed Gianni Versace. And you're like, you're weird. <laughs> he was a weirdo. So he's technically a serial killer. Right. I just, those standards are real low, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Whatever. 
Well, do you guys like this? This has been episode 70. 70. This is episode 70. Yeah, episode 70. Oh, shit, y'all. I know. Uh, I know. And hopefully we will be back in our regular recording space next week. But this week you should come see Sarah unless you want to join all of us on October 6th. But come see Sarah in the Insanity of Mary Gerard at Allen's Lane Art Center here in Philadelphia. You can also now, starting tomorrow, go to Terror Behind yeah. the Walls at Eastern State Penitentiary. I'll be at the Spookiesy. It's that spooky season. I'm y'all. hoping to talk like that the whole time. Do it. So I think this week we're going to start Do doing character it. development. Uh, and I want my character oh, to be named like Judy, that. and she's going to talk like this. Judy. Either Judy or May. Um, but like with May, I I can think of so many other like pun kind of names, like may not, um, but not being K-N-O-T, may not, may east, like may west, but may east, (laughs) may best, uh, all sorts of different names. Judy, I also had, uh, the good lady Dame Judy Wench was one of my names I was thinking of. (laughs) <laughs> dame judy wench yes she's a dame but she's also a wench right she's both she's a little bit of both she's a lady but, but i'm gonna talk like whales i'm really excited about talking like that that's fun <laughs> um but anyway come see those things of course support our podcast you can support us best by going to patreon.com slash deadtime stories with a z all one word and, of course, you can support us for as little as $1 a month, but we have $1, $5, and $15 tiers, which you can get access to our private Facebook group, you can get bonus content, or you can even get a handcrafted, hand-captured ghost fart sent right to your front door with in a jar with a the lovely jar. little piece of parchment telling you about the ghost whose fart it came from. So, you should do that. Of course, yes. you can support us for free by writing reviews, rating us, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere where you listen to podcasts, and by emailing us at deadtimestories, with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. Yes. And, you know, if you send us a really great listener story, it might end up on the podcast, like yeah. you heard today. In, like, 20 weeks. But it might end up on the podcast. Because we gotta, you know, we gotta wait Look, for got them to accumulate, to you understand? Yeah, I need at least three or more. to build them up. I got a low bar set for the listener stories, basically the serial killer bar. So three or more Get stories. The fuck out. <laughs> Sent on three separate occasions. Three separate occasions. If I get two stories in one day, doesn't count. I really want chips and salsa right now. Such All a right, weird, we gotta strange craving. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. stories. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.